This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always delighted to be joined by our next guest. Have an opportunity to speak to her regularly from CBS News Colorado, Romy Bean, the anchor there. Romy underscore Bean on Twitter. Romy, thanks for joining us on a Friday. Of course, you were there yesterday for the Rockies opening day, a 1-0 affair that goes in two hours and 18 minutes, a cleanly pitched, cleanly played uh, for the Rockies, sort of a, a, a unique experience for opening day and another Good start for Kyle Freeland. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here. Always nice when you get a Rockies win, right? Even if it is against a very bad Washington Nationals team, a win is a win. Yes, and uh, the way that Freeland pitched, reminiscent of the 2018 Kyle Freeland, who was fourth in the Cy Young uh, voting, and it's two starts now, and he has yet to give up a run. Yeah, I mean, Kyle has been, he talked about it all spring training, but Black talked about it, you know, needing a bounce back year. But we've heard that for the past, what, three or four years. So you say, okay, okay. Uh, but so far, Kyle has been, I mean, fantastic. You know, he goes out there and he's just showing what he's got when he's got, you know, three or four pitches that can just absolutely annihilate the batters when he's on his game. And he's gone 12 and two-thirds innings now without giving up a run and giving up just seven hits now. Right. I know, it's long, I know it's long season, but you take the sample size you're given so far, and so far Kyle has been fantastic, and he's absolutely stepping up. You need him, of course, to stay healthy. You need, of course, to have, uh, you know, be able to do this throughout the season. But, I mean, so far, I think that there's no complaints with what Kyle's doing. This is exactly the performance you need, especially with a, a shaky pitching staff, a staff that you've got not a ton of depth in. Uh, you're going to need this kind of performance, and the fact that he's gone this many innings so far is exactly what you want to see from Kyle to start out the season. And I think the other thing with Kyle, he's he's at the point in his career where he wants to and needs to take a leadership role really in that clubhouse. And when you have performances like this, you can really do it. It's the kind of start to a season that can really help him step into that role, I think, as a leader as well. So I know that's a little bit you know, not entirely what's happening on the diamond, but that's huge as well. So you got to love what you're seeing from Kyle right now. And for this Rockies team, obviously, you know, you're looking at a season that isn't expected to really go anywhere. So you're looking sort of for these individual moments, individual wins for Freeland. But let's also look at Chris Bryant, of course, had an injury riddled first year with the Rockies, has a hit in every game thus far, drives in the only run of the game when he doubles in Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, Bryant looking uh, happier now that he is healthier and uh, looks to be able to maybe prove to that the contract that the Rockies gave him wasn't necessarily entirely about what he'd done in the past. Yeah, I mean, and you sure hope, right? I, I still think with Chris, we're all kind of, you know, a little hesitant saying, okay, well, if he can stay healthy the rest <laughs> of the season, that feels like the big caveat with Chris. But again, another guy that so far has stepped up when you really need him to. There's a lot of young guys on this team that you need the veterans to play well and take that pressure off the young guys. And I think that really is Chris's role right now. And so far, he's been doing that. And, and, and that's what you love to see. Drives in the guy, Ezekiel Tovar, who has also, so far, been fantastic. The guy that kind of everybody was talking about going into this season. Um, and he's 21 years, very young, and, and stepping up as well. So, so it does. It takes the pressure. It allows some of the young guys to thrive. But 
Chris seems very happy. You know, talk to him pregame. He seems really happy. He seems really happy with the new rules, the pitch clock rules. Who doesn't love the pitch clock rule? But I think a guy like that is actually starting kind of to really to really like it. It might help with his longevity as well, guys. He made a point um, before in, in open clubhouse where he said, you know, games are 30 minutes shorter. Your legs are going to feel pretty nice. If you think about that, if the games are 30 minutes shorter, that's 81 hours off your feet over the season. That's a lot for the older guys. Right. So I think when you look at the pitch clock, there's so many benefits that a guy who maybe dealt with injuries, I think these shorter games could end up helping those guys stay a little bit healthier. Is there a way to measure? Uh, because I think Kyle Freeland's performances, and I think he had a decent spring too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't pitch at this level necessarily. Right. Uh, but I'm wondering if you think for this Rockies team, that the new rules help somebody like Chris Bryant more, or does it help somebody like Kyle Freeland more to have the action uh, more compressed? First of all, more action and more alacrity <laughs> to the way the games are, are played. Now you mentioned some uh, very good things that might work in Chris Bryant's favor, but I got the feeling watching Freeland, uh, yesterday on the replay last night, we were on the air during the course of the game. The game started while we were on the air. Almost and the done. game almost ended by the time we were off the air. Uh, who does it help more, pitchers or hitters? You know, I think that's the most interesting question right now, Sandy, and I still think it remains to be seen, but I'm with you. When, when, I, when these rules first came out, my first thought was advantage hitter. Now I've been seeing it, I'm thinking, no, I think this is an advantage pitcher. I agree. You're there the pitchers and, and, seem to love it, even though they, they violate the rule from time to time. Yes, and it moves faster. And if you think uh, about a, a position in all of sports that perhaps can play the biggest head games with you, it's a pitcher. I mean, that's one of the most mental positions in all of sports. I can't really – it's hard to think of another one. You don't really have that time in between. There's not all this lag time in between, and you're waiting for the, the hitter to readjust their gloves and do their weird dance in the batter's box and this, that, and the other. I mean, they're there. They're set, and they're just – they're throwing their fire when it's working. It's working. I think it is great for the pitchers, and I, I totally agree. I think it's coming up to look to me – advantage pitcher i think what will be interesting is when we get into like the muggy months right june july who does it kind of benefit then then when you know you're trying to keep your hand dry it's a little sweaty out there right you're getting fatigued i think it'll be interesting to see kind of june july maybe not so much in colorado cause it's a little bit drier but when they're playing yeah. in those kind of muggier climates who's it going to affect how that affects That's a great the pitchers? Point. But great right point. now great point. i think this is the advantage pitcher i i think without sounding trite it's advantage fan. I was yeah. at luncheon today with, with a bunch of people who were there yesterday and opening day. We're part of the 48,000 uh, plus on hand, at least uh, officially counted as uh, having attended the game. And they loved it uh, all the way around. They, they, they love, you know, and you say, well, one, nothing games are boring. I grew up on one, nothing two one games. And yeah, sometimes they were boring. Sometimes the pitching was too dominant. But at the same time, the games did move. Uh, people like Drysdale and Gibson and Tom Seaver, they work fast. And I, I I hate the idea of pitchers and, yes, hitters who step out of the box all the time. They can't do that anymore. And you know what helps, too? I think it helps the fielders. And you were there yesterday, and you watched the circus catch made by Jerickson 
uh, Profar, uh, that basically saved the game uh, for the Colorado Rockies. On ball hit the left center field that off the bat looked like uh, a sure extra base hit, and Profar runs it down. I think it's an easier game to play for the fielders, too, when it moves. Absolutely. I mean, I think that kind of every point you make, make checks a box, it's so much more entertaining. The game simply just moves. I don't think it's affected the quality of the game. And in fact, maybe it's made it a little better in this early going. And it just, it moves. It's exciting. Like you said, a one nothing game. That was an exciting one nothing game. And one of those things where you kind of got to pay attention the whole time. I mean, Bud Black had a really funny joke uh, post game of, you know, those guys that are over drinking and coming into the game late, you're, you're going to miss two or three innings now before yeah. you might have missed one. I yeah, mean, that's it's, right. it's fantastic. I love how it rolls. And I think for all the players, it just it helps you keep on your game, helps you, them hold their attention because there's not this just lag time in between that made everything draw out. Maybe you'll lose your little focus a little bit. I think it keeps everybody infield, outfield, pitcher, hitter. Everybody has to stay just a little bit more focused and I think it's kind of really added to the game. And honestly, the two minutes and eight and two or two hours, 18 minutes, I mean, that was fantastic. I mean, that's an unbelievable number, but I love it. I think everyone's going to love it. And I think also, I think players are really going to love it when they realize how much this just helps them with their lives. If you think about it, the game ends, they can do their recovery, they can do their workout, they can do whatever, they can go home, get home at a regular hour, get sleep. I think this is just going to help all of them with their game and, and, and with their lives and everything. I think players are really going to fall in love with it the, the more they play it. There's not a, I can't, it's hard to think of many negatives at this point. So far, it's been fantastic. Yeah, there there really aren't, and it's it's a good point. All the ones you made, especially how it will evolve over the course of the season, but as we've pointed out before on the show, this rule's been on the books since 1901. <laughs> it's been 120 years just finally getting around to enforcing it. Uh, they were ahead of their time thinking about it. Uh, Rumi, we, we obviously had a lot going on in Denver sports yesterday. The Colorado Avalanche finished their sort of mini-series. They had two games against the San Jose Sharks in San Jose on not back-to-back nights, uh, non-consecutive nights. But they did win. They did put the, the Sharks away. Now they walk into a weekend where they play games on Saturday and Sunday in California with the lead in the Central Division. Minnesota falls to, to Pittsburgh. They're now two games back. It is Dallas and Colorado with 100 points each, and they have still have a game in hand. Uh, if you would have looked at this season, given all the injuries that they've had to the players they've had it at, would you imagine, especially the start given that this, that this team had, that we'd be talking about the final uh, handful of games with the Avalanche having an opportunity to close out the division again? I mean, what a season this has been. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I've said for the past couple months, doesn't matter. I've just got to get into the playoff, get into the wild card seed, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but to see what they've been doing has been pretty remarkable. You go back to mid-January, they were in sixth place uh, in the division. Now they're in, they're in first with a chance to win it. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But this is the mark of a team that knows how to win a championship that clearly has done it last year because they are getting hot at the right time. I mean, their record, their, their road wins record, they've been doing it on the road. You look at their record. Brendan McNicholas is, is a great Twitter follow for anyone who doesn't tweet out just great ab stats all the time, but their right. record since January or their record since February, oh, yeah. this, that, or the other, whatever. Um, and, and this is a team that has been, despite everything they've gone through, but despite the enormous number of man games lost, 
are not just in a point where they're creeping into the playoffs, but where they're trending and getting hot just at the right time and to have done this all without Gabe Landeskog. And lately, Arturi Lekin and Josh Manson, Pavel Francouz, I mean, name them, right? Everybody. Even McCarr? Last couple of games. Even McCarr. It's been pretty remarkable. I mean, Jared Better not going to get considered, you know, for Coach of the Year, but I think he deserves consideration for what he's done with his team and the fact that now they have a chance to win the West where there is uh, a time when we thought, or win the division, excuse me, where there was a time where we thought these guys may not even get into the playoffs. These guys might squeak it into the wild card. It's been remarkable, and you got to give credit where credit's due as well. Nico Randon and Nathan McKinnon playing out of their mind. This is another thing. Probably not going to have any abs that win individual awards this year, but they should be considered for, for what they've gone through and how they're playing. Nathan McKinnon to get to over 100 points, uh, and he's done it in fewer games than anyone else who hit that 100-point mark when they hit it. Correct. You know, um, It's just a team that really, when you look at do they have what it takes to maybe even win a championship without Gabe Landeskog, I'll be honest. A couple weeks ago I said maybe no. I've changed my tune on that. I, I think that this team has shown – that they can really triumph over. There's guys stepping up as leaders on and off the ice. It's pretty. It's been pretty fun to watch. I, I want to f- follow up on that because you're so good at reading moods on teams, and you're one of the people that both of us, I think, trust uh, more than most anybody else in uh, local media on this point. But but you were talking about it, the mood around this team in mid-January, 2017-3. It was just, you know, you're in sixth place. You're saying, if we get into the top three, heck, if we get a wild card spot, we could be in fourth place, have a chance to get a wild card spot, that would be fine. The heck with home ice advantage. Um, of course, now it develops the Avalanche seem to be a much better team on the road anyway. They were 9-1 on the road last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I want to ask you about how you read uh, the psyche of this team because it's strange in sports for a defending champion not to have enormous pressure on it to repeat the following year, but collectively, haven't the Boston Bruins removed that kind of pressure? And hasn't Connor McDavid and Edmonton as an individual, because he's been so spectacular this year, kind of removed the pressure from Avalanche individual players because they're taking up all the airspace and the Avalanche are kind of in the background. You know, it's so fascinating because it's true. It's people have kind of, if you look at now, if you look at kind of the betting odds or whatever, the Avs are still one of the heavy favorites to win it. But you're right. Other than Boston, they're the favorites. But it doesn't seem that the coverage or the pressure applied to the Avalanche, uh, even in January, what's wrong with the Avalanche? Uh, That wasn't a question that was asked very much because the answer was obvious. Injuries. (laughs) Key guys missing from the lineup including the biggest stars on the team missing games. With the exception of Rantanen, all the big stars were, were missing games. But even even now, uh, you, you don't, over the last few months, certainly hear anything about what's wrong with the Avalanche. What you hear more often is, how are they doing this? They might win 50 games, just like the Nuggets have won 50, and the Nuggets have had Jokic and Murray and Porter pretty much healthy Throughout the season, I know they missed a few games, but nothing like the number of games or an entire season someone like Landeskog has missed. That that's that's what I'm saying. It's, there there hasn't been 
of what's wrong with the avalanche conversation that's been taken up seriously. No, it's been fascinating because it feels like that conversation has almost shifted to, oh, okay, well, when they get healthy next year, you know, then they, then they can right. make the run. Right. And But I also think that there's a piece of the abs that maybe they like that. Like, you think about Nathan oh, McKinnon. Yeah, it was great. If, if Nathan... Yeah. If, if Connor McDavid wasn't being Connor McDavid, everybody would be talking about Nathan McKinnon. And I think that maybe low key Nathan McKinnon pisses him off a little bit. We know how competitive Nate is, and that's just bringing out the best in him, right? It's and so I think that there's a piece of the they have that, that likes this. That everybody everybody's talking about Boston, which is also funny because Boston is running the exact same system that the Avs <laughs> ran last year uh, to win the Cup. So it'd be very fascinating to watch these two if they do end up going up uh, against each other. But I think there's a piece of this team that likes it and also has, has such a quiet confidence. This is not a team that walks around beating its chest, but when you ask them, they'll tell you, we feel like we can beat anybody. And when they play poorly, they tell you straight up, there's no excuses. They tell you straight up. And that's something I've always appreciated about this team. But I think it's just this, this really quiet confidence where last year it was all about getting the monkey off your back, like getting out of the second round. They did that. And they won the cup. And then, you know, this year it's, they walk around with that swag of, Oh, we know we can do it, but they don't do it in this big braggadocious way. And I think it's just part of, of who they are. I think it's part of what makes this team really dangerous. Cause they're like, all right, if you want to sleep on us, you don't want to talk about us. That's cool. Right. We're not going to run our mouth. We're just going to play our game. And that's what makes the absolutely dangerous. The last are. 85 days, seven regulation losses. Just digest that. Yeah, rem- Seven losses in regulation the last 85 days. Right. 85 That's calendar days. And obviously for more of just about everything in Denver sports, make sure you give Romy a follow. Romy underscore Bean on Twitter. Of course, the anchor over at CBS News Colorado. Sportscaster of the year. Right. Like say reigning defending, right? So uh, Colorado Sportscaster of the year. Always great to talk to Romy. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, appreciate it. And have a wonderful weekend. Guys, thanks so much. This is the best part of my week. Uh, thanks, Romy. Part too kind. Thanks so much. Have a good one. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Um, somebody made a mistake once upon a time years and years ago, decades ago, and gave me that award one year. And uh, Romy's going to win it a bunch of times. I will never win it. Just a uh, spoiler alert for everybody. I'll never have that one. So, uh, anyway, that's cool. Uh, thanks. Now I have more, something to be more self-conscious about. I forgot about that. So, uh, I'll just hit the next one out next week. YouTube. Sportscast talk show host uh, don't fare well. Yeah, generally. Oh, speaking. you don't have to. Be, you don't have to be cool about it now and butter me up. It's fine. I know I'm no, not going to no, win. No, it doesn't matter. That, I'm just speaking the truth. <laughs> I won once. I told the people in Salisbury it was a complete fluke and a total accident. The the vote must have been tilted somewhere, or they miscount. Maybe they miscounted the votes, and they were telling, "Oh, you'll be back." You know, because people win once, they win a bunch of times. I never came close to what he did. So I had a better sense of that than they did. But you they were, were very nice. They you brought up nice. a very interesting thing, though, with, with Romy, that I think it's it's worth noting as the Colorado Avalanche get ready to try to get healthier and make a run at a second Stanley Cup. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports.
We just had an opportunity to talk to Romy Bean from CBS News Colorado, and, and uh, you, Sandy, and Romy came up with kind of an it kind of meandered into a very interesting angle. That listening to it, <laughs> I meandered. I, I, I don't mean that is a negative thing. This is why we have a talk show, right? You talk through things, and we then uh, it is the uh, crucible in which we eventually get to the truth. And we have the freedom here at this radio station to meander, if we R- right? And so uh, the. The, the, the point is really interesting because I, I really hadn't thought about it in the way you've described. But you are right in so much as a defending championship team that is stacked with as much talent as the Colorado Avalanche are and with marketable type of personalities or at least star power personalities. Right. McKinnon and McCarr and Landeskog, of course, has not been there this year, but Landeskog is marketable. Rantanen, uh, the, there are players like that. The pressure because of the Avs' bad start and the injuries, it's almost as if they went from being treated as these highly dangerous defending champs to the, well, that was fun, but we're just going to ignore them because look at the, you know, bright, shiny thing up in Boston, an original six team. Off we go. They they have become underdogs. Yes. In a sense, which is as the defending almost champs. unheard of for a defending champion. For example, in the NBA, Golden State won its fourth title with basically the current cast last year and all year long it's what's wrong with the golden state warriors injuries what's wrong and it's like the avalanche they've had quite a few injuries uh they have young players underperform maybe at times that's been true the avalanche too uh you know with somebody like an alex newhook for example he's a fourth line center now and that's about all he deserves to be uh he's been disappointing i think this year but my point being that You've noticed, at least I have, on a national basis, that there are many more questions being asked about the Golden State Warriors and of the Golden State Warriors Mm -hmm. than there have been with the Colorado Avalanche, and I'm adjusting for the difference between NBA coverage and NHL coverage. Even adjusting for that, the Avalanche have almost been removed from that kind of On the national level, they've sort of been out of the discussion because for a lot of the really up until mid January, they weren't a factor in anything. And, and they have come on so consistently that it's, it's, and for so long, it is impossible to say it's a blip or a fluke. Uh, They're just getting healthier and here they come NHL, but what a sort of luxury, right? Because the Avs are the defending title champs because of what Boston's doing. Everyone's talking about Boston and that would happen even if Boston had the exact same record of the Avalanche, because it's Boston. It's the Bruins. They would get more attention, period. They're the Bruins. But it allows the Avs to fly under the radar. And then the the Connor McDavid story of the ridiculous sure. offensive season he's That's putting the story in the Western Conference. Is, is letting the Avs fly under the radar. And, and here we are in the playoffs where the Avalanche might come back in a week, and they're the number two seed with yeah. a bullet. And every, ahead of Edmonton. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, those guys. Uh, they they had the cup last year. And and the the beauty of it is because of that, the pressure is on Connor McDavid to prove that your regular season game translates to the playoffs and you can get wins. The pressure well, on the Boston Bruins is cool. Um, and, and for Boston, it's I think for Boston, it's remarkably high pressure. This is great. Great regular season. That's awesome. But this is the Bruins. There's Stanley Cup banners hanging in this building already. Are you really good enough to get another one, or does this actually mean anything at all? And that kind of can be the vibe back east. So the Avs have none of that. They're able to be as good a team as they are in the league 
the defending titles with the confidence that comes in the Golden State comparison is, is apt because the the confidence of knowing that you know how to win a title because you have done it. The Avs have that. Most of the players on the Bruins don't. Players on the Oilers don't. And here are the Avs being able to fly right under everyone's radar. It's perfect. Given all that you said, wouldn't it surprise you more if Golden State repeated than it would if the Avalanche repeated? It yes. would me. And George Carl uh, has a view that's uh, the same as mine and much more important than mine. And he basically writes off Golden State as a championship contender, which is crazy because for all their struggles, they've been a top six team. I don't see yeah, it. I, I they can't. have to be too many good teams. That, they have I, to be too many good teams to repeat. It's I, just, it's going to be nothing like last year. They won't have any home court advantage, and they're terrible on the road. They are they're just inexplicably awful, on, awful the on the road. And I, I'm sorry you say, well, they'll flick a switch once the playoffs start, and they'll be great on the road. No, they won't. And I subscribe to the notion that if they got Andrew Wiggins back, that might ignite them. Uh, and George Carr reminds us all, uh, yesterday that you know he's been out for six weeks. You have to reincorporate the style of play. And once he comes back, you're messing with the rotation. And yes, he makes you on paper a better team. But I'll tell you what, when Andrew Wiggins was playing and playing pretty well earlier in the year, they weren't winning well, they on were, the road were, with Andrew they Wiggins. They were still bad. Exactly. They were still bad on the road. But I just don't count out and I guess I guess that sign of kind of the corollary to my point here about the abs. I just don't count out championship teams that have won them. Six place teams with the yeah. players that they Six still have. Well, and, and maybe that's fair. And the Avs a few months ago were in that role. I know they were, now but they, they aren't, aren't now. anymore. They aren't now. And there's a difference. Edmonton could catch Las Vegas. They could. They're but, three behind but but they're three points behind them. They're three points behind them. And Edmonton has three games left, and Las Vegas has three games left. You're going to make up three points over three games? Not likely. Unlikely. Not, not without highly, getting to play them. And they highly don't. unlikely. Now, Edmonton's 9-0-1 in its last 10, but Vegas has only lost one regulation game in its last 10, 7-1-2. Right. So it isn't like Vegas has shown any signs of slumping off. Edmonton got San Jose twice and the Avs. And the Oilers... We're going to end up meeting in the first round of the playoffs. And I know Edmonton for months has been a better team than Los Angeles, but with or without home ice advantage, if I'm Things an Edmonton fan, think. that's a nervous series. That's a nervous series for me. And I'm sorry, um, Golden State set to play Sacramento. That's probably a good matchup for Golden State. Even without home court advantage, I could see them winning that series. Beyond that, then they'd have to play Memphis, if I'm calculating correctly, based on where things stand right now. Again, without home court advantage. And I know Draymond Green does his uh, best uh, gamesmanship work on certain members of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but I, I think that's another tough series to win when you don't have home court and you've been bad on the road all year. The, the Avs play Seattle in the first round with home ice. Now, Seattle's given them problems during the season, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Uh, Actually, from Seattle's standpoint, 2-1 and one against the Avs. That's how hockey works, uh, you know, with these three-point games 
that go overtime and yeah. two point games and and they are almost certainly just 60. going to get Seattle but, if they but win. But the they're going to get Seattle. Yes. In the first round, and I'd be shocked if they lost that series. I, I can't see. I'd be shocked if they Seattle. lost Me that too. series. I'd be shocked if they lost more than one game in Seattle in that series. I, I think that's a series they can close out five, six games. I don't think it goes seven, but uh, you know, I, I I just think when you lose seven games in regulation over a space of eighty-five days, yeah. you're you're a team to be Three reckoned months. with by definition, and. Has Boston played a little better over that stretch? Yeah. But the Bruins are going to set all-time records for wins well, and points and in a season. Is- Edmonton's played better because of McDavid's uh, magnificence, but all of one point better over the last 85 yeah, days. Yeah, you don't care what Boston does one because point? the only time you even worry about it is if it's in the Stanley Cup Finals. They'll right. cross that bridge right. when you come and to you, it. And you don't have to beat a number of Eastern teams. And ESPN did its rankings today. Five of its top seven teams, take it for what it's worth, are from the Eastern Conference. I don't the only Western that. teams they put in there were Vegas and Dallas. Now, I think it should have been Vegas and the Avs um, ahead of Dallas, and Dallas should have been behind the Rangers. Uh, you know, But it, it, that's, that's a minor quibble. You only have to beat, if you get to the final, you only have to beat one of those teams. Well, you don't have to beat Boston plus Carolina or Boston plus New Jersey or Boston plus Toronto. It doesn't have to be one team. And, and by and the way, those teams are who are you afraid of in right. the West from where they're standing right now? you afraid of Dallas if you have to play them at some point? No. Are you afraid of Vegas if you have to play them at some point? No. They have a winning record head-to-head against Vegas this year. I can think of two or three other teams in the West I'd rather avoid as opposed to Las Vegas as good a year as Las Vegas has had. So, I just I think it sets up beautifully for the Avalanche, and if they don't do it, and of course, as we all know, there's probably an 85 percent chance they won't. Yeah, and in the Stanley Cup, you're always you're always taking the field. Put it but that way. You know <laughs> what? There's a two thirds chance that Boston won't do it either. Correct. Right? Two to one against their winning the Correct. Stanley Cup. That's how the odds set up. And nobody is going to say, "What well, what a waste of a year! What a disappointment!" Boy, they underachieved. No, you're going to say, if anything, they overachieved, unless they go out in the first round of the playoffs, and then you'd be disappointed. But if you get past the first round, to me, it's all gravy, and that's that's incredible for a defending champion in an extended playoff sport. That avalanche ranking of eighth in the power rankings you discussed, they they used one word to describe every team. The avalanche was tenacious. and they Did ended- you ever think that the <laughs> avalanche, this avalanche team, if being asked to give a one-word description would be described as tenacious. But it's the right one. It is the right one. It is the right one. They have, but they have that's been what that they've way. been this year. And uh, the final, Last year, you wouldn't have said the first word to come to mind right. is tenacious. No. The final statement they the had, The first too, word to come to mind is brilliant last no year. No one should be hoping for a matchup in the Mile High City this spring. Of course not. Of course not. Because all with of a sudden, or without home ice advantage. With or without even, quite frankly, Gabriel Landeskog. Because this team has accomplished all of this without him. And uh, I, I get the idea if, if you're an Avs fan, you look at it, they have to have Landeskog back. Uh, look, I'm not discounting how important it is. It is. I think spiritually it's important. It is. But, but at the same time, you if, know, in if the you're lineup, the Avs, where do you put them? And if you're uh, the Avs players, you can't think that way. You have to be able to look and say, look what, he's important. We'd love to have him back. But look at the guys that we have in this room and look what we've accomplished and we can continue to do it. And what I say is this. If you've got McKinnon, and this is how the Az feel, I'm sure. You've got McKinnon, you've got Rantanen, 
You've got Nishushkin. You've got Makar. You got Taves. You got Byram. And you have Georgiev. You got enough. You got enough. And probably you will likely most, have if not all teams Lekinen. in the league. In, in very close to the time it begins. You may have Manson and Lekkinen, too, yeah. but I agree. You're but, talking but I about even, I, those, I, those high-end stars, this is no those top guys. Lekkinen yeah. is not a top right. guy. Those, He's not a top-end guy. Those top talents, uh, really, that, that's enough. And and I, I agree with you. I think the Avs team, even as it stands, has enough to win the Stanley Cup. Would it be a hard road? Yes. Would it be easier with the guys re- returning? Yes. But you know what? At this point in time in the season, everybody feels that way. Uh, the, the Avs have injuries. Yes, they do. But at this stage, but they have four players that are significantly injured. One is a backup goaltender that you don't play your backup in the playoffs. One is a second pair blue liner. Yeah. And Manson, not, uh, not, in, uh, not one dispensable, is a second, but not exactly yeah, indispensable. One is a second line wing. In Wack, in Lekinen. and one oh, of course a second is, or third line, right? And one is your captain, and that matters. Uh, one is your captain, which spiritually matters, but in terms of inserting him into the lineup, I'm I'm not sure where you put him. Landis guy played I, a lot I, of time you, on the second in the with, second line during the playoffs you, you last don't year. Don't put him on the top line, that's for sure. And I, I'm not even sure you put him on the second if Lekinen is healthy. You put Lekinen with Nashushkin and Comfer. That's Landis, a pretty Landis good defensive second back. line that can produce some points. Yeah. And you got at least one of those guys on, on your uh, on your power play. It gives you an opportunity to win. And, of course, when you are injured, that's exactly what you want, too. You want a winner. So visit our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. Their personal injury is attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. Offices all over the front range, Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, even Cheyenne. The personal injury office is right here where we are in the tech center. When you're injured, they'll push for you to get your maximum recovery, whether that's by settlement or by trial. So don't hire a billboard lawyer. Hire someone who will fight for you. Hire someone with a winning record. That's our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. We'll be back to uh, tie the proverbial bow. On a, on a Friday next on Miley Sports. And of course you can't become if you only say what you would have done. So I missed a million miles. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. A little sunny Friday. Must have got a Danny Bailey at the booth. I've noticed the uh, this breezy Southern California one-hit wonders. Little, uh, what, little Len, little New Radicals, little Sugar Ray. His musical selections are superb. He's always surprised that Great. I know which Thank one. Thank you very much. Of course. But, you. but yeah, no, we got the vibe going on a Friday, so hopefully you enjoy your weekend as well. Thanks for joining us here on Mile High Sports. Andrew Detmer in the booth, by the way. If you're watching it, Best by the way. Best produced show in the city. I don't disagree at all. I don't disagree at all. And you can catch it. You go to MileHighSports.com, either slash watch, slash listen. But you shouldn't go right there because you can check out all the content that's up on Mile High Sports as well. We have great, great content from a lot of uh, terrific contributors. By the way, quick hockey note. Did you realize, because I didn't, mm-hmm. that Miko Rantan hitting 50 goals the first Finn in a quarter century to score 50 goals. He was Last Solani. one, Tamu Solani, 97-98, the former Av, mm-hmm. who was not an Av in 97-98, right. but still 
a few years later played here in uh, Denver for, I believe, just the one year. Still perplexing to me that that team where they also had Paul Correa and they were relatively healthy well, just never really worked out. I was strange. I'll tell you why it didn't work out. Mm. And it was more one player's fault than the other. Got it. Ooh, I, they get, it. Both, I get an offseason. They, they both had injury issues. Right. But there was one player who was uh, the equivalent of Rafe LaFrance with the Nuggets. Aha. And if you're familiar with how all that went down, then, well, we'll 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 talk more about that uh, at a later point. But uh, also, it was interesting. Last night was Thursday night, right? It, it was. was exactly twenty years ago, last night, that Milan Hedu scored his fiftieth goal for the Colorado Avalanche. Hasn't happened terribly often. Twenty years to the day. How about that? Oh wow! How about that? It, the and with forty-one even strength goals. Yes, Miko Rantanen is the number one even-strength goal scorer ahead of Connor McDavid wow. in the National Hockey League. I mean, that's that's a big deal. And it is, and, and take nothing and away McKinnon from Ranton. is but number one in points Even-strength points, and, and the two go even together. Strength. The two are even hand strength. in hand. Uh, that's that's the way it goes, and that's why those two have been so dangerous. And you can only imagine, obviously, when uh, uh, the, uh, the idea of potentially returning a healthy Gabe Landeskog to that line is so exciting for the Avs. But I'm with you, Sandy. I think that Maybe that could happen, but I don't think you count on it. Uh, and I think when you get to the, um, you allow Bednar to mix and match. If, if you want to go ahead and, and throw the uh, bulldozers, you put Nachushkin on the other side, and you have Rantanen and Nachushkin coming down see, the, the edge. If you want to play a little more of forecheck, you can put Lekkinen up there. If you want someone to play though? a little bit of glue, you can put Rodriguez there like I, he was I, last I night. I love, and, and people wonder, well, why would you change a winning hand? I mean, the, the, well, you don't, you you just don't said break up Randon and McKinnon for sure. Seven and three, but that's the point. Yeah. On any line, there are two guys who are the key guys, and the third can be more of a specialist, Rodriguez, or even Nashushkin, who is probably a more accomplished player at this point than oh, Rodriguez. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, you, you could put either one on a line with McKinnon and Renton, and, and they're better. But look at what the luxury of putting Rodriguez up there, even at this point, gives them because Comfort and Nashushkin can play together on the second line, and you move, at least they did last night, Mulligan up to the second line. You have Eller, Cogliano, and O'Connor, who have been decent, and maybe not sure. great, but decent, and uh, all three of them can kill penalties. I, I know O'Connor doesn't do as much penalty killing now as uh, he did maybe a year ago. But then a fourth line, you've got Newhook, uh, Myers, who was not impressing me, but I thought last night he was terrific, and Nieto on a fourth line. Uh, I mean, he's okay as a right wing on my fourth line. Uh, on a championship team, yeah, he's, two points he's, last he's night. kind of a nice player. And he's he's defensively responsible. I, I and, and this is without Lekkinen and Landeskog. Right. They're, they're in good shape. It is not in good shape. An odd, odd situation. So there have been, ever since the Dallas Mavericks, a team that I'm, well, I'm about to tell you the Denver Nuggets will not be playing in the first round. Uh, uh, no. The, uh, I would be shocked if that was. Yeah, the because. Because Dallas would have to win two games if they even make the plan. They're no longer trying. After going 19-16, or 9-16, and 16, pardon me, says trading for Kyrie Irving tonight, resting. Maxi Kleber, Christian Wood, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, and Kyrie Irving. Are you kidding me? I am not. That is from Mavs PR. 
Now they're playing Chicago at home. They could still, I suppose, like you're not eliminated. Win. That's amazing. You know who's playing? Out Luke, Kyrie resting. Rest. Luke's resting for what? Resting because they're tanking. They're they in eleventh place. They waved the white flag, but Luca didn't. Luca is still going to play. The idea that has been sort of trickling out of Dallas is that the move for Kyrie Irving backfired so spectacularly, and the despite the fact he's in the first year of his extension, the, the situation with <laughs> Dallas has become so frustrating that Luca might start making some noise yeah. that maybe yeah. if, if you were a Nuggets fan. You remember about a year, the rumblings that this might, Carmelo might want to want out. Carmelo Anthony might be out. And Dallas, they were better without him. They were better without him. I don't know if the Dallas Mavericks would be better without Luka Doncic, but if no, no, they no, don't no. get right, they, they might find out. They will be better without Kyrie Irving, is oh, my yeah. point. Yes. But um, Kyrie Irving equals Carmelo Anthony yeah. in many respects. And I, I mean, yeah. I appreciate At least Carmelo, Carmelo knows the world was round. I mean, not, goodness. Spherical. Being as uh, socially irresponsible, in fact, quite socially responsible, uh, in point of fact, I appreciate that about Carmelo as opposed to Kyrie Irving, who is not socially responsible. Uh, he he's he's a, a a dangerous person. But I mean, think- I, I believe, and he's a lousy uh, team guy. Even though, yes, he was on a championship team in Cleveland. With LeBron, I get that, and he was a major factor in their winning that championship. I get that too. He's a talent. He's a, he's a talent who does not mix well with others, who does not play well with others, and and you've got to get him out of there. Look, he, and the fact that he's resting tonight says all you need to know uh, about Dallas's attitude. But more particularly, if I'm Kyrie Irving, I'm demanding to play in this game, and. It says he doesn't want to, and two, Luca doesn't care, and Luca may think they're better without him because he's going out there tonight. He's playing. Yeah, they're they're benching and half he, the team. I, I bet he has Luka's one playing. of his forty-five. Yeah, or he's, he's going to go off. Now, I don't know if that means a win, but he's going to go off. He'll get his forty-five but yeah, the, or fifty. Uh, the, the plan by the 10, Mavs may be ten, twelve yeah. assists. Plan by the Mavs may uh, the Mavs may be to tank, but it's not going to be Luca's plan. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not oh, going to no, go out there to no. tank. Oh no, no, and he he's going to go out there to get he a may win. Agree he may, with the move because he may maybe have getting Kyrie that they're off better the floor without Kyrie. They're helps. better without Kyrie. But I that sounds Just like, like Brooklyn. Would be, Brooklyn's yep. no worse off. Well, Brooklyn had without to, Kyrie. Yes, they are because they had to blow up the whole team. <laughs> no, they they're better. They're better without Durant and Kyrie. They're playing better. They're better. They're not worse. They are better. And I'm not not. I, I think it's more to do with Kyrie not being. Uh, but, you know, they got a lot back for Durant. They did. That wasn't the worst trade that any team ever made. No, in fact, it really... Means. And they're going to finish either sixth or seventh. Now, they mm-hmm. might for sixth because keep them out of the play-in. But they are in sixth as it stands who today. Who would have thought that they would avoid the play-in after trading, after trading Durant and Kyrie? Pretty remarkable. But tonight, of course, we'll find out uh, Dallas appears to be punting. We'll see if their star uh, thinks that's a great idea. I suspect he will not. But that makes things pretty interesting for the Denver Nuggets who have made a uh, – who, who scared the Suns. And maybe showed, to a certain extent, some of the Suns' challenge that maybe Denver has depth issues, but maybe what the cost the was the Phoenix, just to obtain Kevin Durant yeah. it cost really them depth. hollowed out their yeah. depth. Because you talk about the minutes that the, the Sun starters had to play to beat a Nuggets team that didn't play a single one of their five starters. I mean, the, the Nuggets were just playing everybody who was active 
to, to get that in, and uh, they, they took him to the wire. So, you know, th- this will be a really interesting couple nights in, in, in the NBA. We'll find out. You know, things will get sorted out a bit. I agree with you. Suns play the Lakers tonight, I suspect, on the second night of a back-to-back. After the Nuggets taking them to the to the post, uh, they're, they'll probably play nobody against the Lakers, so the Lakers will get that win. Kings and Warriors, I think, is an interesting game tonight. Mavericks mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess, Bulls versus the Luka Doncic and company. Yeah. I don't even know if that's yeah. the Mavericks. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Pelicans get the Knicks. That's not a gimme by any stretch. Uh, the one that's interesting is Grizzlies Bucks. The expectation I think tonight the will rest a lot is the guys, the Bucks though. are going to rest virtually everybody tonight. So right. the Grizzlies likely to get a right. win. Not right. that the Nuggets care. It doesn't this matter. Stage. Right. Doesn't matter. But uh, in terms of the Knicks, I think they will rest people. I, I don't know to what extent, but I think they will rest people. Here's a Dallas situation: how bad it is with Kyrie that Mark Cuban, for the first time since Jalen Brunson left to go to the Knicks felt compelled the other night to come out. He hasn't said this all year, and he had all year to say it. Tells you all you need to know about Cuban's impressions of his team with Kyrie Irving. He said, we would have kept Brunson if he had given us a chance. We never had a chance. We never had a chance to make an offer. They just knew he was leaving. He was leaving. He was going to New York. But his point was, we wanted to keep him. People have been blasting Dallas all year for being silly enough to allow Brunson to leave. Brunson wanted to leave, and Dallas never had a chance to keep him. Mark Cuban had all year to say this. Funny how he pulls this out of his you-know-where a few days ago when he senses his team won't make the playoffs, and it's been damaged for this year at least irreparably by the presence of Kyrie Irving, comes out to say, well, if it had been strictly up to us, we were ready to make the same offer that the Knicks made for Brunson. Brunson didn't want to listen to us That's at all. Interesting thing, too, isn't it? And maybe there, maybe in the offseason there will be a little smoke to the Doncic fire because expect it to occur. Uh, this and is- maybe that's why Brunson wanted to leave nothing personal against Luka, but he felt Luka was ball dominant. Yeah. And now Brunson is the leader of the Knicks. Yep. Uh, uh- that's how it works. We will see. But, of course, uh, we, well, there's an interesting weekend in sports. Of course, the Nuggets are uh, on putting it, hopefully, on cruise control for the rest of the weekend. The Avalanche cannot afford to do that. They need to get wins. The Rockies uh, will finish their series in Coors Field. We'll have a lot of fun out there. Get it. Enjoy the sun. It's okay. Uh, I, I get it. They're not very good. But, uh, you know, enjoy the sun. You can catch a game. You can bring the kids now because they won't have to go to bed at midnight. The games go faster. Thanks so much for Bree, uh, Bree Mace just joining us. The Host the Fan Cave on Mondays and uh, Let's Talk Broncos podcast. Of course, Romy Bean from CBS News Colorado, the anchor there, joining us as well. And uh, we'll be back on Monday, of course. Uh, Danny Bailey in the booth with sound. Andrew Detmer with the video. Sandy Clough with all the good takes. And I'm, my name is Sean Drotar. I kind of sit here and do stuff. So we'll see you all on Monday. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> Coming up next is Anil Apiro and Cordy Ward. Thanks for listening to Mile High Sports. <laughs>